0: Family, how's everybody doing? Man, you guys look amazing! What a good-looking bunch! Um, on this side of the bay, Baldwin County. You guys are getting off spring break. How's everybody feeling? Everybody excited to be back in church? Like three of you? All right, uh, Mobile. How's everybody doing over there? I hope you guys are great. Malvis, can you help me welcome Mobile Foley, Baymanette? Church online, and then we also do church in home and correctional and fountain correctional facilities. If you guys can help me, let's welcome all those guys too. They're in church with us today as well. It is great to have the family together. Um, it is so good that we are one house in many rooms. Um, well, welcome to church, man. It's great to have you guys with us. We are kicking off a brand new series, um, but before I get to that, I've got just a couple quick things that I want to kind of add. Um, There's a lot of stuff happening right now, as there always is. Um, But there is this one little thing in in just a couple of weeks that's kind of a big deal. And I don't know if you know it or not, but Easter is a big deal. Did you know that? Okay, did that sneak up on anybody or anything like that? Okay, listen, Easter is a really, really big deal. And let me tell you why Easter is a big deal. It's not just because that's the time of the year that the majority of people in the South go to church. Okay, that 's not the bit that 's not why it's a big deal it 's a big deal because we celebrate the resurrection of jesus christ okay can, can we can we just thank God for that right And so what I want us to do as a church, what I want to encourage you and challenge you to do over the next couple weekends, we are going to begin kind of kind of leading toward easter we 're really going to be intentional about the way we talk about Easter and think about Easter. Not just from the inviting standpoint, because we know it's a big weekend to have friends here. um, But also to remember the reason behind Easter. So really, really focus in on that. So next weekend, Palm Sunday, we're going to take communion together. We're going to have a little more reflective worship. It's going to be incredible. You don't want to miss it. First Wednesday with Pastor Dino is going to be awesome. All of this just leading us toward Easter to, to really, really celebrate what Christ did for us on Easter. Um, and so I want to encourage you this way. I want to challenge you this way. We, you know, we love to invite our friends. We love to pass out the handbites and we get crazy. You know, we do the, we just invite everybody we know kind of thing. But here's what I want to challenge you to do a little different this year. I want to challenge you to invite relationally. Okay. Not, I mean, throw it on Facebook, do all that kind of stuff. That's awesome. That's amazing. But I want you to pick, I want you to find two people. Two people that God has put on your heart, and I guarantee you they're already there. You're just just denying that prick of the Lord that's like like messing with your heart. Like you walk by that person at work and you feel something like I'm supposed to go talk to them, but you haven't. That's the person. Okay, that's who I'm talking about. Or at the ball field, that other family, or whenever you're out in the bout, you keep running into someone and you just feel this this tug, this prick on your heart. What I want to encourage you to do is I want to encourage you to sit down eyeball to eyeball. And I want you to just to simply share what God's done in your heart. I want you to share what what being a part of this family is all about. I want you to to just share some heart stuff with them and connect relationally so that you're not just inviting someone. I want to encourage you to bring someone. I want to encourage you to be a bringer, to bring someone with you, to meet meet them before service for a cup of coffee, sit down with the family, help them check their kids in, like be exactly who they need you to be. Okay, and I know Easter is, you know, we're going to dress up, we're going to look our best and all that kind of stuff. But listen, Easter's not about you. Okay, Easter's not about you. It's about the resurrection. It's about the people that, that need to know about the resurrection. And so I want to encourage you to be relational in your invite and not just invite somebody but bring somebody. Bring them with you, man. Make this a lasting and amazing Easter. It's not just another Easter that they check a box. Okay, this will be an Easter that people will remember for the rest of their lives. Um, All right, well, I'm going to kick off this series, and and we're kind of going to talk about this a little bit. Um, This series, to me, it was kind of birthed out of um, team conference just a couple weeks ago. Um, We got to celebrate our team, our volunteers, that honestly, they make this place happen. If you didn't know that, then you're blind when you walk in here, because our volunteers are everywhere. They are absolutely the best team, the best bunch in the world. Our team. We've got a team right now that's headed up to the to the prison campuses. We've got a team teams that are out in the parking lot. We got teams that are changing diapers. We got teams opening up doors. We had a team this morning in Foley at 4 a.m. loading in and setting up portable campus. Our team is amazing, and I'm not just saying this. This place would not happen without our team. And a couple of weeks ago, we got the opportunity to celebrate our team and just love on our team because they are so amazing and pour into them. And God put a message on my heart, and, um, and I, honestly, as I walked off the platform, I, you know, my wife was right there, first one to, to kind of grab me, and she's like, man, the whole church needs to hear that. And ever since then, it's just been in me, and I'm just like, man, maybe we all do need to talk about this. Maybe this is a topic or something that we all need to understand, that we all need to grapple with. Um, and so I want to kind of let everybody in on this. I want to kind of bring everybody in on this, this topic that, um, that I was able to, to kind of roll out with the team a little bit and talk about with the team and kind of bring us all in on it. Um, so let me just, a little bit of a disclaimer is that this is a little bit more of insider talk. So, I mean, you guys that are believers, you guys that are Christians that are part of the City Oak family, this is for you. Okay, if you're a guest today, if this is your very first time to walk in the door, um, I think you'll get something. Stay engaged, be connected. Um, but today I really feel like I need to talk to our core. I really need to talk to the family a little bit. Um, so we're so glad that you're here. We're so glad that, that, that you're here, that you're connected. Um, but for you, those of you that are family, really lean in today and, and, and be engaged, all right? Um, you know, sometimes in church it's easy just to kind of sit back and, um, and literally think like, okay, give it to me, man. Like, what are you going to give me today? What are you going to, you know, what are you going to do? And I want you to lean in a little bit. I want you to kind of have open hands a little bit and just kind of go, okay, God, I'm expecting something. I want to be challenged today. I want to be changed today. I want to think about something a little bit different. Um, Because, you know, the world that we live in right now, you know, even the title of this series, this little series is, is Me to We. And I'll tell you why, because I believe the culture that we live in is all about this. Like, when you, if, you, if you could just sum up so much of the culture in the world around us, it's this. It's, it's, it's all about me. It's, it's all about my opinion, and my voice deserves to be heard. And it's all about selfies and instant gratifications and like buttons. And it's all about me. I want to feel good about my life. I want to feel good about me. I want to feel important. I want to feel like I've got a voice and a platform. I want to feel like, you know, I'm, I'm somebody. That's why we rant on Facebook, right? Right. That's why we do all of our opinions on Facebook, right? Because you feel important. You feel like people, when they hit that like button, actually like you, but they don't. They're actually wishing that that was a mute button, and they're like, it just doesn't work, right? Because, listen, because they're not about you, they're about them. And that's the way we think everybody, we're about me. And I think so much would change in our society, so much would shift in our culture if we could just simply flip the M upside down and become we. And we embrace the strength and the potential of we, of a people, a group. This would be powerful in our families. If we lived as we, this would be powerful in our, in our businesses and in our work and in leadership settings. This would be powerful in, in so many arenas and areas of life. But there's one particular we. And honestly, there's only one we that has the potential to change the world. There's only one. There's only one we that I'm a part of that actually can change the world. The other we's that you're a part of, the teams and the groups and the families and all these things, they're amazing, they're wonderful, but there's only we that has the potential to change the world. And the we is the church. The church of Jesus Christ is the only thing that has the potential to change the world. And so this is what I want to talk about, and I want to demonstrate the power of we. Because I feel like you guys get this, you get that there's strength in numbers, there's strength in we, but I just thought it'd be a little bit fun to kind of loosen this up and honestly to kind of give you a visual to go along with this. So I'm going to have a couple of guys come up and give me a hand and help me out with this. So if you guys would help me welcome Pastor Tim Gotro to the platform, please. Will you guys help me? <clears throat> Pastor Tim's going to help me, and then we've also got a few of our City Hope College students and Pastor Danny, who is their director, if you guys will come on out. Can you guys give these guys a big old hand? Come on, help me out. So here's what we're going to do. We're just going to have a, some good old-fashioned tug-of-war. Anybody, like, anybody remember elementary school? You remember, you remember tug-of-war back in elementary school, right? The teams were even then. They're not today, and I'm going to tell you why. Because Tim is the strongest man on the planet. I am not just saying that. Like, if he flexed right now, his shirt would just melt right off of his body. It just would just fall. Plus, he's got this low center of gravity. Like, he's got this thing, right? He's like, he's locked in over here. And then over here, we've got some CHC students who are not the strongest people on the planet. Let's get real, right? Okay, they're just not. And down there on the end, holding up the anchor is Pastor Danny. He's the City Oak College director. Um, And so they're going to help me out today. So, yeah, give give them another hand. City Oak College. Okay, so here's what's going to happen. I'm going to count to three, and then they're going to tug a war. Okay, I have a feeling you know what's going to happen, and I hope that what you think is going to happen happens because Tim has the potential of just walking off the stage that way and dragging all four of them with him. But I really believe that these guys have got it in them to win this thing. All right, ready, run. Three, two, one, go. Jesus, help us, Lord. All right, y'all, give it up for them. Mm. Y'all, that got real. Like he about took the whole thing out. Like that was, I don't know if you saw that, but that vein, (laughs) that vein was talking to me right here. Like that thing was real. He wasn't playing. That thing was like, Hey, what's going on? That thing was for real. Okay. So listen, so this is just a visual of what the power of we looks like. It doesn't matter how much strength is in this one thing. Whenever we come together as a we, there's power and there's potential Individual achievement is amazing. Individual achievement is awesome, but it takes, it takes it to a whole nother level whenever we are a part of something that's meaningful, that's larger than ourselves, that's bigger than ourselves, that ultimately has the potential to change the world. And that is the church. Several years ago, I caught this. I caught the power of we— you know, I grew up in church. I mean, most of my life was spent in church and in different denominations, and different contexts, and, and I always had this sense that the church was a big deal. I always had this sense that... That it was a really big deal that I raised my family in the church. I always had this sense that that I could learn, that church would make my life better, and all those kind of things. But it wasn't until a few years ago that I heard a pastor, and I believe that it was God-ordained, a God moment, that God just opened up my heart and helped me understand the power of the church. Because it goes so much beyond what we think in our natural. It goes so much further beyond just a building or denomination or, 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 or just a box to check that we show up to on Sunday. It's so much bigger than that. But I heard Bill Hybels, a pastor that is very influential. It's been around for a long time, and he's been a, just a, 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 a pioneer in the church, leading the way. And he unpacked Acts 2, which is when the church began. It was just 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. And Peter, on the day of Pentecost, he stood and he preached the very first message. And on that very first day, he preached this message, 3,000 people gave their hearts to Jesus. 3,000 people on day one and from that the church began and it became it became this movement it became this organism it became this this gathering of people that was beyond anything that I could wrap my head around and hopefully next week I want to unpack what that community looks like a little bit more from Acts 2 because it's a beautiful beautiful thing. But Bill Hybels summed it up this way, and it took me a long time to really grapple and understand this, but this is the way he summed it up. He said this, he says that the local church is the hope of the world. Now, you've heard us say that before. You've heard that quoted. you heard that come out. But I don't know that we fully understand it or have embraced it and understand that the local church, the church, is the hope of the world. Because the church, listen to this, the church is the only thing It is the single only thing that Jesus Christ built on this earth. It's it. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said this. He said, I will build my church. I'm going to build it. Listen, it's not all the guys that are going to get up and preach. It's not all the movements. It's not all the stuff. Listen, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Nothing is going to stop my church, Jesus said. And on that day, the church began. It began to move and it became something much bigger than we know today. And I'll tell you why. Because today, church has become a couple of things. And one of those is church has become all about me. Church has become very much consumer, just like so many other things. It's about preferences, about what I like and what I don't like and what I need. What do I need to get out of a church? What is it that I'm going to get out of it? Right. The other thing that church in our world has become is church has become a location church has become a building church has become a denomination church has become some institution but in the in the early days when you understand the church and you understand the new the the beginning of the first church you see that that the church wasn't a building a location there were no bands or liturgy there wasn't there weren't any logos or core values the church was simply a movement a gathering of people a we And they were centered around one thing. They weren't centered around a building. They weren't centered around a denomination or a name. They were centered around one thing because it happened right after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Their focus was Jesus. Their focus was the power of the resurrection. That's what all that they did, all that they saw was Jesus. And Peter stood and he preached that message and he pointed everyone toward Jesus, the Savior, the hope of the world. And the church is the only thing that Jesus built. It's the only thing that he put on this earth to be the way that he is distributed to the world. That was his intention. He raised up these men to begin the church, to birth the church in this world, so that he could be distributed, his love could be distributed to the world. We are the church. Wherever you are with a with a group a gathering we are the church when you're in your small group We are the church when you're on a mission field when you're doing outreach when you're when you're actually living out This life that god wants us to live out. We are the church. It's not just when we gather here It's when we gather in any place. We are the church. We're a movement of god That he created that he that he birthed, that he designed specifically to bring himself into the world, to reveal himself to the world. We are the church. I want you to think about it like this. Think about, think about potentially like the, the worst person in your life. The person that you think is the absolute furthest away from God. Think about that person that you think they are intentionally making decisions that get them further away from God. Right? They're just, they're, they're, they're just, they have nothing to do with God. Their back is turned, they're skeptic, they're, they're atheist, they're whatever they are. They're completely running and they're hopeless. Think about that person. We all know that person. What is it in this world that has the opportunity that can possibly break through that facade, that stuff, that sin, that shame, and actually change that human's life for eternity? The only hope to change the human condition is Jesus Christ, right? It's not a political system. It's not a politician. It's not a new health care plan or a new some sort of political um, reform or tax reform or more income in the bank. Or it's not, it's not more therapy. It's not, it's not whatever all these things are. Those things are not going to create lasting change in a human being's life. The only thing that is is Jesus Christ. The only thing that will bring change, that will change a hate-filled heart, that will change a selfish heart, that will change someone's heart that is running, that is distant, that is whatever, the only thing that will change that person's heart is Jesus Christ, and the church is the vehicle that Jesus chose to bring himself to the world. And that's us. That's we. But if we continue to embrace church as a me sport, then we miss out. We miss out on the Great Commission. We miss out on the calling of this church, this powerful church that God called to be the hope of the world, to bring himself into this world. The church is the hope of the world. You know, all through history, you've seen or we've seen massive empires and organizations and these massive things just collapse. I mean, you think about the Roman, the Roman Empire, even back in Jesus' day, there was this, it was this all-powerful thing. Half of the known world was a part of the Roman civilization, the Roman Empire. There was just no chance that this thing was ever going away. If you were in that context, you were in that moment, you would have never thought that the Roman Empire would ever go away. Hail Caesar for the rest of our life. This is life, and yet today it's a distant memory. It's been gone for decades been gone, 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 gone for a long time. Right? Organizations and corporations that we've seen that have become billion-dollar corporations that have just been worldwide global corporations with hundreds of thousands of employees with billions of dollars in the bank and they collapse. But not the church. Not the church. Why? Because Jesus said, when I build my church, not even the gates of hell will prevail against it the church, the church, the thing that we're a part of, it will not fail. And it will not fail because we have to go all the way back to the very beginning and look at those original guys and go, what was the big deal? Why, what, what was so important that those guys could do this? Because listen, it wasn't on their strength. It wasn't on their ability. There was nothing in them that made this thing happen. Listen, he didn't, Jesus didn't pick like rock stars and MBAs and, 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 and these you know theological genius people no he picked regular guys these regular nine to five guys that were I mean they were they were just normal people and he began to add to their number and hundreds and thousands began to join and it was just this group of ragtag people that were ordinary I mean it was everything from waitresses to stay-at-home moms to attorneys to to chefs to to whatever I mean it was just regular people that Jesus said that guy right there Here's the thing, if it were up to Peter, Paul, and James, and all these guys to build the church, it would have failed. Why? Because they're men. But Jesus came alongside, and he built his church through them. Everything else crumbled. Everything else fell, fell apart. But yet, because they were focused on Jesus and the resurrection and the hope of the world in Jesus Christ, and ultimately they were focused on people. They were focused on everyone. Why? Why were they so fo- they, they so focused on people? Because Jesus was focused on people. They were focused on people because they had they had walked this earth for three years following a man that his sole purpose on the planet was people. That whenever he walked into a village and hundreds of people followed him and they're pulling on him and they're they're wanting him and they're. And they're they're literally trying to suck the life out of him, the presence out of him, the power out of him. And yet Jesus would see one human being in need. And the world would just go quiet. And he would lock eyes with that one person. And he would make his way across a crowded room and he would sit and he would heal. He would talk to, he would minister to, he would love the person that most of us would have walked right past. And for three years, they witnessed this. They watched this. They saw this. They saw the love in this man's heart. And when Jesus looked at someone, he looked at them like this. In his mind, he was thinking, I'm going to die for that person. I love that person so much that I'm going to die for that person. And as the church, they were focused on Jesus and their love of Jesus and ultimately the way that he loved people. That's what they focused on, is this is what they saw, this is what they witnessed. And the way Jesus loved people is he loved everyone. You've heard me say this before, that a lot of times our idea of everyone is very narrow. Because our idea typically of everyone is everyone that looks like us, thinks like us, has the same preferences as us, votes like us, probably roots for the same team as us, right? Our everyone is just like the, the people that we deem acceptable, to be in our view of everyone, but yet Jesus came for actually everyone. He had this broad sense of who everyone was. He, he had every politician in mind, right? He had every Alabama fan in mind, right? He had every Auburn fan in mind, right? It doesn't matter what side of that aisle you're on. He had everyone in mind. And the disciples, the apostles, they saw this. They saw this with their own eyes. They actually heard. In Matthew twenty-two, we have this verse. We've seen this before. When, when when there was a there was a man, an actual attorney, a Pharisee who was attorney. He asked Jesus, "What's the most important question? I mean, what's the most important commandment in the law of Moses?" And Jesus replied, "You must love the Lord with all your uh, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and your mind." And then he said, and this is, the, this is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. They physically and actually heard this come out of Jesus' mouth. They were fully bought into his heart. They were fully bought into his passion for people. And this is what the church was built on. This was the heart that the church was built on. Nothing was going to stand in the way of his church growing when we're all about Jesus and we're all about people. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. Because Jesus is in the middle of it. Jesus is building it. Jesus is orchestrating it. Jesus is the one that's actually making it happen, not us. We're just instruments. And a great example of this is Paul. Paul. Paul, who we know now, was just this incredible man of God, this incredible guy that just took the, that took the gospel to the, to the other nations, that was this amazing church planner and missionary that expanded the gospel beyond what it had been at that point, but it wasn't always that. What's interesting about Paul, and most of us kind of probably know this, is that, is that Paul wasn't born in Jerusalem. He was born to Jewish parents, but he was born in a Roman province or a Roman territory, And so he actually had dual citizenship. And it's this amazing thing of here's a guy who grew up in one culture, in a culture completely different from the Jewish culture, and at some point his family moved. And then he became a a student of the law, of of, of the law of Moses, and he began to follow like one of the most well-known rabbis that there was. I like to call him the Bono of rabbis. He was the guy that everybody knew that Gamaliel was highly respected, highly, I mean, just like when this guy walks in, everybody just kind of goes, "Woo, hey, that's the guy. Okay, and yet he chose Paul. He picked Paul out and said, you are going to be one of my followers. So here's Paul. He's one of the top students, one of the top guys. He grew up in a different culture as a Roman citizen. And yet then he comes into the Jewish culture, just this crazy life, this this just bizarre life for someone in that day. Yet he was the one that God plucked, that he pulled out, that he said, you're going to be the one that goes to the nations. You are going to be the one that goes into the neighboring nations and countries and ultimately Rome to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he was perfectly picked for that. His life had been just perfectly orchestrated to be the guy that was meant to do that. As a matter of fact, the way he got to Rome, and Rome was really on his heart, and the way he got to Rome was by appealing to Caesar, which only a Roman citizen could do, which immediately sent him to Rome. He didn't actually get there by getting in a boat on his own and going there. He wanted to, but it just never worked out. He got arrested, and the only way he could get there was by appealing to Caesar. Caesar. And he did that and he wound up in Rome only because of this crazy upbringing and this crazy story that he was placed in the perfect slice of history to be the guy that God chose to do that at that time, to expand the gospel beyond that. Jesus was constantly orchestrating stuff like that and I think that he still is today. I think you and I as the church, you and I as City Hope Church, you and I as the church of Jesus Christ, we sit in such a time. I don't, even, I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but, but this, is what, this is what the global population of the world looks like over the last 2,000 years. This is what it looks like. Look at this. I mean, we're, we're not even breaking the billion mark until 100, 150 years ago. What, what, what we've got to understand as the church is it's no accident that Jesus Christ planned you and me to be in this slice of history. It's not an accident that you and I are right here. It's not an accident that City Hope Church is right there. It's not an accident that right now you don't have to get on a plane to go across the world to, to impact people. Right? There's gifts and strengths and talents that sit in this room, that sit in Mobile and Baymanette and Foley and online right now that were strategically placed in that slice of history to do what? To do what? To, to just be good for you? To just, to just be happy being me? No, to join up and be a part of we and influencing and impacting the world. That is the reason why you and I were born in this slice of history. It was not an accident. It was not happenstance. There is no happenstance and accident with God. God strategically placed you here because he knew that there were going to be so many people that were far from God. So many people that were distant from God that he said, I need the best of the best now. I need the right people in this moment in history to affect change in the world. And guys, that's us. That's we. We, the church of Jesus Christ, that no gate in hell can stop if we become the church. Nothing can hold us back if we fully and passionately pursue Jesus and we passionately pursue people the way Jesus does. And listen, not just people outside these walls, but our, our, ourselves, each other, because we're a community. We love one another. We support each other. We have each other's back. We're in this together. We're not a bunch of individuals that show up to check a box. We are we. We are family. We are part of something that is bigger than ourselves, part of something that is the only thing on this planet that has the hope of bringing change to the world, and we are a part of it. That's powerful. And you and I, were in that slice of history for a reason. And we don't just have this opportunity, but we have a responsibility. I don't believe that it's just this happenstance. I believe that it is a responsibility for us to do something about it. To not just do church as me, but as we. To be connected, to be one. To make the resurrection and the hope of Jesus Christ the focal point of our lives. To look around our brothers and our sisters and join up and be together and do something about it and affect the world around us. That's the kind of church that I see us as. The kind of church that loves Jesus and loves people with all that we are. With all that we have. Soon after Paul... Soon after Paul went to these other nations and he began to plant churches and people were getting saved and just amazing things were happening. And you can read Paul's letters in the New Testament and the book of Romans and just see the book of Acts and all the things that are happening. And You see, but as people were getting saved, there were non-Jewish people beginning to get saved. And so all the, all the Jews back in Jerusalem, they started going, hey, wait a minute now. All these guys, they didn't have to do all the stuff we did. Remember all these laws that we had to memorize? Remember all this stuff, these hoops that we had to jump through? They should have to do all the same things. So Paul and John and James, the brother of Jesus, they all come together. They, they call this big church meeting together. And the, and the Christians in Jerusalem, they're saying, hey, this has got to be, man. If we did it, they got to do it. This is the only way to do it. And then Paul and these other guys are saying, no, 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 man, listen, Jesus came. This is a brand new thing. He broke all those old things. This is brand new. They don't have to jump to the hoops. They don't have to be circumcised. They don't have to memorize 600 laws. They don't have to do all this stuff. They just need to be able to get to Jesus. And there was this argument, and finally, James... The younger brother of Jesus, he, he, st- he stepped forward and he kind of dropped this, this law, this, this thing on top of him and said, this is it. The conversation is done. And he said this. Mm. If you guys will throw it, there it is. And so my judgment is this, this is James, is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Understand how big of a deal this is. Uh, up to this point, they were making it very difficult for someone to actually come to know Christ. They, they, were, they were trying their best to figure out how many hoops they could jump through. But then James said, "Well, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. We need to remove every obstacle. We need to remove everything that could possibly keep someone from Jesus Christ. Get it out of the way. I don't know if you guys would get this or not, but circumcision was an obstacle, right? For a non-Jew to come to know Christ, for them to say, yes, I want to get saved. And then somebody goes, yeah, that's awesome, but you know you're going to have to be circumcised. They're like, well, I'm out. Peace. Right? I mean, that's, a, that's like nobody's going to do that. Nobody's going to say that. Hey, you got to memorize 600 laws. Hey, you got to do this. You got to have a weird haircut. You got to do all these things. No, no, no. No, no, no. Listen, all you got to do is get to Jesus. And what James and Paul, these guys, were saying is this the only obstacle in the way is the question, who is Jesus? Who do you say Jesus is? That should be the only obstacle in someone's way. And as the church, That's our job, is to make it as easy as possible for someone to get to that question. We just came out of the Welcome Home series. We talked about the the prodigal son and the older brother. The older brother was all about making it difficult for the son to come home. Creating problems for the son to come home. In so many places, whenever it's we, we, it's all about me, church. It's all about what I can get out of church. That's what we do. We make it difficult for someone to come to Jesus. And James said, listen, strike all of that. Jesus came and did a brand new thing. We just need to get them to Jesus. And that's the kind of church that we're going to be. That's the kind of church we've been for 19 years. I remember in a little bitty warehouse on the other side of Daphne, my dad saying, we're going to be a church for people that nobody else wants. I remember that line. And I thought, that may may be one of the most Christ-centered statements I've ever heard right because Jesus was the kind of person that would walk into a town and he would love everyone but he would find the most unloved and that's who he'd love and that's the church that's the church that we are and that's the church that we're going to be we just have to actually be that church we just have to actually live that way back in the olden days of church some of you guys have been around a long time. You'll remember this, that when you were leaving the parking lot of those old churches, there was, a, there was a sign that faced back in toward the church. And this is what the sign said. It said, you are now entering the mission field. Go get them, tiger. Okay? Does anybody remember this? This is not a bad thing. The heart behind this was awesome. Here's the problem. The mission field is not just out there. The church is the mission field. This place, our facilities, our our small groups, our missions, all these things, this is the church in action. We are the mission field. So even in this place, when you bring friends in, when you bring someone on Easter Sunday, when you bring someone on any Sunday, this place is the mission field. We as the church are going to embrace and love people. We're not going to expect them to believe before they belong. We're going to accept them just as they are. Why? Because Jesus accepted them just as they are. Whenever Jesus called his disciples, he didn't say, hey, do you believe in me? Hey, do you confess that I'm Lord and Savior? Hey, do you know who I am? He just said, follow me. He didn't say, listen, you got to believe, and then I'll let you come follow me. No, no, he said, listen, come belong. Come be a part of what I'm doing. Come come be a part of my life, and eventually you will believe. But if Jesus had not done that, then no one would have followed him. Some random, rando guy comes walking out of the woods and goes, hey, follow me. <laughs> no. No right nobody's gonna do that right but but listen he he said follow me come and be a part of something that's bigger than yourself and this is what we have to say to the world not just with our voices but with our actions with our love we've got to be active in bringing people into this place we've got to be active in having conversations outside of this place and truly loving people because we are the church we are the way that jesus chose to distribute his love to the world we it's not about me it's not about you it's about us all of us we becoming the church becoming we are the hope of the world you know minute ago we had our little fun demonstration of tug-of-war and this is the way that i see it is that we the church are together and on the other side of course pastor tim Over here alone, and no matter how strong he is, no matter how strong the grip of sin, no matter how strong the grip of death, no matter how strong the grip of shame, no matter how strong the guilt, guilt, no matter how strong sin is, when we are the church, it does not stand a chance. When we are the church, we will be able to pull people out of hell. We will literally be able to loosen the grip of hell on people's lives because we are we. But as individuals, yeah, yeah, yeah. As individuals, yeah, yeah. I'm sure we'll do some great things. But man, whenever we lock in together and we become the family of God, we become the we that we're called to be, that we will pull people out of hell's grips every single day. And just like Acts 2, their numbers were added to daily. Right? Why? Because they were pulling people out of hell. Why? Because they were the church. They were we. They were together. And They were together pulling people out of hell. That's our calling. That's who we are. We're not consumers. This is not a consumer thing. Church is not consumer. Church is contributor. Church is bring your gift, bring your talent, bring who you are to this thing, to this body, this organism, and let's do something for the world. There's millions and billions of people on this planet and we were placed here for now. For right now. Here's how I want to leave it. I want you just to think about your own mindset, your own perspective of church, your own, your own thoughts. I want you just to think about it for a little while. I want to leave you just, just pondering what needs to change in your life. What thinking needs to be reworked? What, what, what action needs to change the way you approach church, the boxes that you check, the, the nonchalant approach, the whatever it is, I don't know, whatever it is of just walking in, walking out, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm in the South, we're supposed to go to church, Right? I don't know. I don't know what that thing is, but I want it to challenge you today to think different, to see this as something that's so much bigger than you. It's so much bigger than you. It is we. And we together, man, we can change the world. And this is how we do it. Let's pray. Jesus, God, we are so thankful, privileged, honored, God, that we We're called, that we were saved, that we are part of this amazing church, your church. Not just this small C church, but this global mega church that is the church of Jesus Christ. And God, because of you, we can change the world. Because we are we, we can change the world. God, check our hearts, open up our minds, challenge us today, God, to be the church. Lord, we love you. We give you our heart.